The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is our Wednesday game day edition of the Leach Report from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studios here in Lexington. And coming up, the Cats are going to take on the Missouri Tigers tonight in Columbia, Missouri. Um, first game in a week for Kentucky. Uh, eight days, actually. Uh, Corey Price, who does such a great job tracking stats for UK Athletics, uh, he said it's the longest gap between games within a conference season since 1967 uh, for Kentucky basketball. Coming up on the show today, we will talk with Chris Fisher from the Cats Paws, Mike Kelly, radio voice of the Mizzou Tigers, and Kyle Tucker from the Athletic. That's our lineup as we roll into the Wildcat news of the day. Kentucky and Mizzou will tip at 7 o'clock. John Calipari, in his talk to the reporters yesterday, uh, mentioned that he's preaching the message of uh, a reboot on the season. They had a few days off from practice, so it's a a chance to have a a fresh start and reboot their season. Uh, You look at the next three games, Mizzou on the road and then Tennessee and Arkansas at home, and those are games against uh, all top 40 teams. You sweep those three, and... I guarantee you people will be talking about could Kentucky uh, still get an at-large bid. All the people that have written them off, it will be a story if they win those three games. If you lose all three, the season's effectively over at you know, at 5-13. and 13. But you have a chance to pick up three quality wins here and uh, have a sh- kind of the last stand to save your season if you could uh, roll off three in a row because uh, then you'd look at the rest of the schedule and you could start suddenly to to find more wins if you can show that you could string together three performances good enough to beat these next three quality opponents. Cal said yesterday that he uh, is still pushing guys to not pass up shots. He said he stopped practice 10 times uh, the day before to tell guys to shoot the basketball. Uh, Missouri shoots a lot of free throws, but they foul even more. Um, now, they have had trouble, uh, especially these last couple of games, defending uh, the drive. Uh, one of their assistant coaches uh, did a media session yesterday, and uh, he uh, said that he didn't think the Kentucky guards had quite the the ability to hurt them in that way as TCU and Auburn's guards did. And looking at the way the teams have, have played, you would agree with that. But if you're on the Kentucky side, you would show that to your guards and say, hey, look what they're saying about you. Uh, Mizzou is undefeated when they out-rebound opponents this season. So uh, winning the board battle would be a big plus for Kentucky. They're not a big three-point shooting team. They average about six a game, but they have made 25 in the last three games. Now, the other thing that's been uncharacteristic for Missouri in the last two games is that Auburn scored 88 and TCU had 89 in overtime uh, in a uh, in excuse me in a regula- in regulation of a game that went to overtime. So, in 40 minutes of action in the last two games, they've given up 88 and a half points. That's very uncharacteristic for Conzo Martin's teams. So, look for them to to put a big emphasis back on their um, 
man-to-man defense for this game tonight. Uh, yesterday, Cal was talking about um, you know availability of players. So I asked him about if everybody would be available, and his answer uh, left you scratching your head a little bit. He said, "At this point, I don't know." Um, when he was asked how many players they'll have. He said, I think it'll be most of the guys. I don't think it'll be five or six guys. It'll be most. As of we speak right now, there's nothing COVID-related. So if somebody misses the game, he said it wouldn't be related to COVID. So, um, you, know, you know, the only thing I can think of is B.J. Boston did roll his ankle the last time they played down in Alabama. He came back to play in the game, but sometimes those things flare up uh, after a game when the adrenaline dies off. And so maybe if could that be – you know, one of the guys that uh, he he, you know, he questions. Who knows? Uh, we'll find out when they play tonight. Mizzou is a four-point favorite in the game. Uh, somewhere here soon, we should get word of um, Trevin Wallace, the four-star, almost five-star linebacker, who uh, all the analysts from Cats Paul or from twenty-four-seven uh, and Rivals are all predicting he will pick Kentucky. And the news conference uh, is slated to happen at this hour. So at some point here soon, we'll be giving you the news on that. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. When we come back, we will visit with Chris Fisher from the Cat's Paws. Our show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Welcome back into our show for this Wednesday as we go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Chris Fisher from Catspaws.com uh, as we all await the decision from Trevin Wallace, all of uh, your all's analysts. Uh, 24-7 sports are projecting him to Kentucky, right, Chris? Yeah, he's now at uh, 100% in the uh, in the crystal ball. Kentucky has been slowly and steadily gaining momentum uh, for him since the, the staff shakeup at Auburn here in, in recent weeks. John Sumrall has done a really, really good job of of recruiting him and directing uh, that recruitment down the stretch. And uh, any way you slice it, one of the highest-ranked and highest-rated prospects uh, to sign or to commit to Kentucky uh, in the last decade, according to our in-house rankings, would be the third highest uh, prospect to commit to Kentucky. And according to the the 24-7 composite, which is basically the industry average, would would still be among the ten highest uh, since 2000. So uh, really, really uh, would be a really huge commitment for Kentucky and at, at a position of need with the departure of Jamin Davis to the NFL. Kentucky definitely needs some help there, and this is a kid that has the talent at least to, to come in and, and uh, contribute right away. Kentucky lost uh, a player had committed, a linebacker, Joko Willis. He ended up uh, going to Auburn, so um, this would be probably a, a trade favorable for Kentucky if they end up uh, landing Wallace. Right, they'd get a four-year player instead of a JUCO. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think Kentucky was expecting uh, Willis to be a part of its 2021 class for some time now, and I, I think the fact that. Uh, he committed to Auburn is even more good news for Kentucky, considering that uh, you know they were among the the major contenders for for Wallace as well. Yeah, no, that's a uh, good point. 
Uh, shift to uh, basketball. Before we talk about Kentucky-Missouri, just another strange night in the season. Tennessee crushes Kansas. Looks like the Tennessee people thought it was going to be. And then they score 22 points in the second half and lose a game that they led most of the night at Ole Miss, 52-50. to And a uh, very mediocre Georgia team goes in and wins at Auburn. So, crazy year. Yeah, it really is, and it's uh, it's a testament to the the pandemic. I mean, it's it's just completely turned the college basketball season uh, upside down. I mean, you look at uh, the preseason AP top twenty five rankings. Kansas and Duke were both top ten teams. Kentucky was a top ten team. Michigan State uh, and North Carolina right behind them, and two more programs that are struggling. Mightily, and you know, I don't think John Calipari should get a, a free pass or anything like that. But you know, it's not a coincidence that he's having by far his worst season at Kentucky when he's dealing with by far his most inexperienced club in the midst of of a global pandemic. So I do think that's been a, a contributing factor for sure. To your point, you look at two teams that are is in the league, Alabama. Uh, was with what it's doing undefeated in conference play they had five of their top seven scores back plus a guy uh, who transferred from villanova who was with them but sat out last season so you would say six of their top eight back mizzou uh there's only one team in the country that has uh, more experience among power five uh, leagues than mizzou so and they were picked 10th in the preseason and their top 15 team uh, prick 10th in the league. So, you know, there's two examples of teams that have greatly overachieved, and not surprisingly, they are very experienced. Yeah, and it, even if you look at it on a national scale, look at Gonzaga, look at Baylor. Mm-hmm. Obviously, those two teams are very talented, but those guys have been playing together for a long time. They have chemistry, they have continuity, and, and, and that is going a long way, especially uh, this season. And, and you look at, you know, Kentucky's other issues they haven't been 100 percent healthy for a single game this season you, you go without your you know sophomore forward keon brooks for you know the first nine games of the season terrence clark has yet to play uh in the sec cameron fletcher has hasn't played since uh since you know i guess his de facto suspension earlier in the season and so Kentucky hasn't been a hundred percent and you know they haven't gotten the play that they or production that they expected from guys like BJ Boston and so you know when you combine all of those things it's kind of been the the perfect storm uh per se for for Kentucky this year. Uh, I just see a note from Jason Frakes on Twitter who covers uh, high school sports for the Courier-Journal and there's a bill introduced yesterday in the state senate that would give uh, Kentucky high school uh, students a supplemental year to retake classes they've already taken because of everything that's gone on, and it would also give athletes an extra year of eligibility. Um, so that's uh, uh, interesting for the high school sports scene, if it passes. Uh, that's, yeah, that's interesting to say the least. I have no idea how the logistics of that uh, would even work, but, um, you know, but it's good that you know even at the high school level at the NCAA level that they're giving these kids you know some grace for for what they're having to to go through this year and uh, it has happened Wayne County Georgia linebacker Trevin Wallace commits to Kentucky 
on this uh, first day of the late signing period. So huge get for uh, Mark Stoops and company, and a guy that uh, might be able to figure figure into their rotation this season. Perhaps I would think. Yeah, when you when you figure in the need at that position, um, it, it, it's absolutely a monster monster get for. Kentucky, especially you know when you factor in the loss of Jamin Davis, you bring in a guy that's a, a four-star recruit. He, we have him projected as a potential second-round pick in the NFL draft down the line. Uh, a guy that can run sideline to sideline. That's exactly what you know Jamin Davis was able to do. Ranked among the the league leaders in, in tackles in the SEC, and uh, just couldn't get any bigger for Kentucky when you consider the need at that position and, and the talent of a linebacker like Trayvon Wallace. Chris, thanks for the time. All right. Thanks, Tom. Chris Fisher, catspaws.com. We'll take a quick break. Come back. Mike Kelly, radio voice of the Mizzou Tigers, will join us when we return. Find out more about the voice of the Cats and get great coverage of the Big Blue at TomLeachKY.com. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com online. Mike Kelly joins us from the Mizzou Radio Network. Uh, it's been a, a nice season for Coach Martin's club, Mike. I noticed in doing a little prep, they were preseason pick 10th in the league and ranked top uh, 20 in the country. Yeah, you know, got up to uh, to number 12 a week ago before before losing at Auburn then fell down to 18 after uh, surviving an overtime uh, thriller, I guess you say, against uh, against TCU. They were down by 12 with 440 to play in regulation, forced overtime on a three by Xavier Pinson from the right corner, and then uh, went on to win it by four in OT. So it's it's been fun. Um, you know, it, it's one of those teams with everybody back time that, that candidly I thought that they would I thought that they'd be better than most anticipated because I thought the maturity level of this team would allow them to be able to overcome uh, the adversity that we were bound to face as the season unfolded because of the virus and other things. Who's uh, is there a, a a guy one guy that makes them go? Well, Tillman uh, Jeremiah Tillman's been their most consistent player since conference play started um in the last uh, five games he's averaging about 19 and a half points and nine rebounds four block shots and uh just over a steal a game and uh you know he's a guy that as a senior at 6'10 and 260 has it's it's taken three years it's been three long years but uh you know now in the fourth year he's he's playing very consistently on on both ends of the court shooting about 67 percent from the field drew smith is, is is probably missouri's glue guy if you will um you know he's he's a guy that um a transfer from from evansville that's that's now in his third year he's also a senior uh, he's been in double figures the last six games um you know and, and he's a guy that just has a calming effect on the offensive end when things start to to get out of whack, if you will. Uh, when uh, they lost to Auburn and then uh, the game last Saturday against TCU, uh, uncharacteristic in terms of the, the point totals put up by the opponent against uh, a Conzo Martin team, what did they feel were their issues defensively in those two games? Well, yeah, candidly, it was it was dribble penetration and guarding guarding the middle ball screen, and uh, they they really struggled. And TCU did a very good job of you know running a little motion, if you will, uh, almost kind of a weave to 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 get a favorable matchup late clock. And a lot of times that favorable matchup was either, was either Xavier Penson guarding the ball or Mark Brown, and both of those guys really struggled 
against dribble penetration. And so if you look at the loss at Mississippi State, in which they were up by 14 at the half and lost by 15, if you look at the loss at Auburn, uh, that they lost by six, and then you look at the TCU game, the, the common denominator is guards that were able to break down Missouri's defenders off the dribble and really create issues by getting into the middle and then you know either pitching it for an open shot or finishing at the rim. I know uh, on the season they haven't been uh, the three has three balls not been a big part of what they do, but it seems like of late they have uh, shot it well. I think it's I think I saw twenty five uh, threes over the last three games have they uh, just been a little hot? Started to look for it more or something else? You know, it, it, it's been the last three games they've shot it well. They've had times where, you know, you thought the nickname should be the guys that can't shoot straight. Um, you know, <laughs> No, Kentucky I mean, has that pinned down. <laughs> <laughs> you, you look at, uh, I mean, like, for instance, a guy like Xavier Pinson, career-high 36 against TCU, uh, he made eight three-point shots. That's more than he has made in the previous seven games combined. Uh, <laughs> he's seven for 21 in SEC play. So, uh, um, you, you, they'll still launch the threes, and sometimes it's 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 to their detriment how quick they tend to launch them in in uh, you know in certain situations. But uh, uh, I, I would say that just over the last three games, they've shot a little bit better from there. Mike, I appreciate the time. Uh, sorry, we uh, won't get to see you guys. Hopefully, uh, we'll all get to have a little bit of a reunion at the SEC tournament. I'm still holding yeah, out hope we'll get to go. Fingers crossed. It's been strange, but uh, miss seeing you. It's always great to to spend a little time with you. Thanks. Have a good day. Bye, buddy. Take care. You too. Bye bye. Uh, Mike Kelly from the uh, Mizzou Radio Network. Um, Saw a tweet from our buddy Freddie Maggard. How about this line? I've analyzed hours upon hours of football tape. Trevin Wallace's film is the most impressive UK signee tape that I've ever evaluated. Now that, my friends, is a strong comment coming from Freddie Maggard. So uh, that gives you a little bit of a sense of just how good this player is uh, and uh, the position that Kentucky has some need this coming season with Jamin Davis leaving, so uh, maybe he could get into the mix. And even if not, uh, he's a uh, big-time impact guy uh, for the upcoming few years in the middle of the Kentucky defense. Uh, Louisville's game at Syracuse postponed tonight. COVID issues in the cards program is what the reports are saying. We'll be right back. Al Tucker from The Athletic. get to a radio you can listen to us live on the web at talkradio1080.com now back to the show we're coming to you from the clark's puppet shop studio game day for the kentucky basketball team out of mizzou tonight but uh, a lot of football news a little more coming in justin Rowland from cads illustrated just tweeting that uh michigan state linebacker luke fulton uh 6'4 225 pound uh Linebacker who was a three-star recruit out of Youngstown uh, Cardinal Mooney High School, Mark Stoops and Vince Barrows, alma mater, has uh, decided to transfer to Kentucky. He was uh, in the transfer portal, had an uh, incident at uh, Michigan State um, that uh, got him suspended last fall when there was, uh, uh, let me see here, uh, an arrest following an incident at a fraternity house in uh, East Lansing. Um on an uh, assault 
and battery charge, according to the stories out of there. Um, so, um, Luke Fulton, uh, then earlier the uh, commitment from Trevin Wallace, four-star linebacker. Kyle Tucker joins us from theathletic.com. Uh, Mark Stoops is racking up a couple of uh, players at a uh, position of need, and Wallace in particular is a huge get, right? Yeah, one of the, I mean, you know, depending on which service you look at, one of the highest rated guys they've ever gotten. Pretty amazing, really, that they get a kid out of Georgia who's ranked the number two inside linebacker, number 35 overall player in the class, in the country, uh, by 247's rankings. Um, you know, had Georgia, Auburn, Ole Miss uh, as his other finalists. It, it's one thing to, to, build a fence around your, your state and get the kids the best kids in your state, which is a challenge in and of itself when, you know, places like Clemson and others are, are coming in trying to steal them. Uh, it's one thing to make that pretty logical, although Kentucky had never done it before, really, uh, pipeline to Ohio, given their connections. Uh, but when you start going to places like Georgia and getting top 50 recruits, uh, and you're not, you know, and they've they've sort of started doing that by getting these transfers, former blue chip guys that, you know, hadn't had the success they thought they were going to have at another SEC power, and, and get those guys to come in. But to just go straight up and get them out of high school, um, to me, that that may be the signal of of how much the kind of Kentucky football brand uh, is changing in in players' eyes. That that is a, a not small deal to me. I ran into um, Mitch uh, Barnhart um, at the hotel in Vegas last December where Kentucky was out there playing, and it was the day of the early signing period, and Kentucky had landed a really good class, it looked like. And I uh, said to Mitch with you know what they were doing in recruiting and um, where the program was headed, I thought for the first time that, as I said, with by the time this recruiting class finishes, which would – be five years for guys that red shirts. So you give them five years, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Um, I said, I think Kentucky will play in the SEC championship game in the time that this recruiting class uh, is is part of the program. So that's the timeline. You think that's uh, likely or uh, more along the, I wouldn't pos- say like- more I the mean, possible? I'm not going to say likely uh, because they've never done it. Uh, but right. I, I possible, yeah. I, I, yeah. You, you need – you need um, you need Georgia and Florida to have a year where they just take a, a little a little step down, not a big one really, just to, just to hit a speed bump where they where they don't have a quarterback or you know whatever the case may be. I mean, I, the issue is they're just those two teams are always going to have a little bit more talent than everybody else in the East. Um, but Kentucky has proven for a, now a, a run of five years um, that they are in the next group um you know they're right there year after year as the third fourth best team in the east you've just got to take one more step forward and and getting guys like this and and you know i think now um the transfer mark i mean to get a guy like wandale robinson who you know he wanted in the first place who was an elite recruit in the first place and he's got two years of college experience and he's been a productive college player uh stuff like that can can juice you to the next level. Kentucky's got to get a court. I mean, they got to they got to know that they've got a legitimate, real deal quarterback. I think they think they do, uh, but you've got to get there. Um, but uh, you know, Derek Terry uh, at Cat's Paws was uh, tweeting about this a few days ago, 
maybe a week or so ago about kind of he didn't call it the blue chip ratio, but he was kind of referencing it. And people have talked a lot about that. It's kind of held true national title contenders, and I would say major conference title contenders are always coming. You know, getting great recruiting classes doesn't guarantee anything, but not getting them does guarantee that you're not there's a ceiling. Um, and the blue chip ratios, you know, how many, what percentage of your 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 two deep is, um, you know, former four and five star recruits? And Kentucky's never had a higher ratio than they're going to have this coming season. It's going to be in the twenties, I think, maybe as many as twenty four guys uh, who are four and five star recruits. And you know, Derek was comparing it to Louisville, which I think Louisville is going to looks like right now going to have six. Um, and that's a, a startling gap between your rival down the road. Um, now, Louisville plays in the ACC, and that's that's not <laughs> – they don't have as many uh, blue-chip ratio kings as the SEC does, um, and, and that still isn't going to really come close to, say, Georgia's uh, number. But it puts them at gives or you above everybody else. Um, yeah, gives you, know, you a chance so if, you, if Georgia gotta, slips a little bit in a given year. Exactly. I mean, you don't know who Georgia's going to draw out of the West, you know. And, and mm-hmm. so if they, even if you lose to Georgia and they t- take two L's from the from the West um, or take one from Florida and one from the West and you win the rest of your games, like, it, you don't have to, I would say, what I would say, I guess, in terms of the SEC championship game for Kentucky is that now you don't have to dream up a crazy scenario. Um, for it to happen, I think I think a relatively reasonable scenario gives you know gives them a chance to do it. We're we're talking about a team that two three years ago, uh, in November, played a home game that if they won they were going to the SEC championship game. Right? Uh, they didn't play well in it, but they were there. They were at that moment, and so I you know can they dream about it? I think absolutely they can. Let's shift to basketball. What you make of? Uh... Cal's comment yesterday, John Hill asked the question, first of all, about you know players would be available, and then uh, you followed up later because Cal's answer was a little vague. Yeah, he was being really weird about it about it yesterday. Like, so, you know, I'm thinking, like, did somebody get in trouble? Somebody kicked off the team. Like, what is, why, why is, because he, he first said, John Hill asked him, would he be at full, would they be at or full, near full strength, I think, was the way he worded it, um, coming off the shutdown a logical question at Missouri. And he said, if we're not, it won't be because of COVID. And then it's like, okay, that's all he said. It was like a 10 word yeah. answer. Uh, okay. So what is that? You know, that's cryptic. Um, and so then I, I followed up and then just said, how many guys will you have? And, and, and it was, I think important that he said, you know, it's not going to be five or six. We're not, basically we're not a skeleton crew. Uh, and he said, as we speak, there are no COVID issues. So I've kind of poked around since then. You know, there's nothing. I don't think there's anything, uh, you know, major that's going to all of a sudden come out right before the game and they're only going to have, you know, X number of guys. Right now, as it stands, as I understand it, you've got Terrence Clark, who's going to be out again with his uh, injury. They were a little worried about B.J. Boston uh, being hobbled, but he's going to be fine, sounds like. They might be down an assistant, um, and and I think they're going to be without Jacob Toppin, who has a non uh, COVID illness, I'm told. So, you know, they're, they're not at 100% full strength, but it does sound like they pretty much have all their, their main guys, uh, and it doesn't sound like there's any kind of crazy uh, thing going on behind the scenes right now. So um, that's where the situation stands. But it was just, it was, it was, it was really odd the way Cal decided to word that. Yes. Um, but it's not been the first time this season. Cal, Cal's had an interesting year of uh, 
word choices, I would say, in, in his public appearances. Chat with Kyle Tucker. You can uh, read him at theathletic.com. If you're not a subscriber, you should be. Uh, and we'll be right back to continue the conversation here in just a moment. It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Tweet us at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Kyle Tucker's with us from the Athletic. Dot com. Question from a listener that was emailed into leachreport at gmail.com. I understand that making the NCAA tournament is probably more lucrative compared to the NIT. Money aside, uh, he says that he's he's always thought for a young team that will have players returning the next year that is on the NCAA bubble, it might be better to go to the NIT and possibly play more games than getting knocked out early in the NCAA. Um, Kyle, my, uh, my take on that, I'll see what yours is, is that you go to the NIT if you don't if you can't make it to the NCAA, but everybody would much prefer to take their shot in the NCAA because you know the motivation's not as strong for the NIT, and so there's no guarantee you you'll play more games. I also don't think that anybody's ever uh, ever found that they got anything, uh, especially. I mean, look if you're if you're if you're Lipscomb, you know Lipscomb made a run to the uh, NIT championship game a couple of years ago or you're a program like that yeah that's awesome uh if you're kentucky i'm not sure there's any glory or or consolation even if you make a run in the nit i mean you want to be in the ncaa tournament um and at this point if kentucky just got in the ncaa tournament it actually would be a pretty, it would be a pretty big deal because uh, what do they have to do to get there either either they go on a crazy run here to close the regular season or uh they you know, look terrible all year and then go win the SEC tournament. Either way, I think uh, that would be uh, that would be sort of remarkable for them to do. And that that's the thing you want to be in. Um, I'm sure Cal would, knowing that he probably is going to have a number of guys back. Um, I'm sure yeah, it could be beneficial from that standpoint. Yeah, somewhere and play games. Yeah, um, but you know, if you told him you're going to get one game in the NCAA tournament or or three games in the NIT, he's, he's not. It's not a choice, I don't think. He was uh, making the pitch yesterday uh, in his talk to you guys that it's uh, a chance for a reboot with this week off where they uh, uh, had a few days they didn't practice, and that's the message he's trying to sell to his guys. It's a chance to, to restart and make a make a run over these last nine games, maybe ten if they uh, add back in a South Carolina game. He's very good, always has been, in terms of you know managing the psychological aspect of it. So not yeah. surprised that this would be his message. Tweak 8.0. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we'll see. I think because of that 2014 tweak and, and everything that came after and, and what a disaster that season was and what a crazy finish it ended up being, um, it's, it's the year everyone's going to hold on to as, hey, I mean, it's really never too late um, until it is. So uh, you, know, you mentioned the, the psychological thing. I mean, the great, the great genius of that tweak in 2014 was it wasn't much of anything. It was really just Cal – in the minds of the players taking on what had gone wrong and saying, like, I blew it. I don't know how I overlooked this this whole time, but this is how we need to play, and this is going to change everything. And it was, like, kind of a, a, to say, this wasn't on you. This was on me. So just, yeah, just go take play. A breath. 
you know, I'm a genius. I figured this out. You know, I'm the guy who won a national title two years ago. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. Uh, we got this now. Let's let's go do it. And, and I do think that 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 was and has often been uh, his strength. I feel like he's really grappled with what to do uh, handling the the mental side of it this year. I don't I don't know that he has. Um, well, I mean, I, I know that he has not. It's, I mean, the proof is in the pudding. He has not found the right button uh, to push um, with those guys. And, and you know, some, there's physical aspect too. You can push all the right mental buttons if, the, if you physically don't have it. Uh, you don't have it. So there's there's some of that too. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting that he said basically by not having to you know go coach practice for two or three days, I had two or three days to sit around and think about what do we need to do? What have we done that worked? What have we done that didn't work? Um, you know how to how do you proceed from here? And so it lets him think and plan to come up with something he can sell as a tweak or a reboot, uh, and then go go give that to the players. So will it work again? I don't know. Um, to me, again, I think we're at the point of the season where it's all about just find something you can do well by Nashville and hope that you can go win in Nashville. And they have over the next. Six days, three games against top 40 teams in Missouri on the road, and then two games at home against Tennessee and, and Arkansas. And whether it's a, a miracle run to have a shot at a large bid or just getting themselves in position to uh, have the confidence to make a run in the SEC tournament, this is huge to me because they haven't been able to string together two good performances all season against quality opponents. They had a three-game win streak, but you know the uh, really the the Florida game was the only one in which they played really well. Um, then they had LSU, but then you know came back and lost at Alabama with the late collapse. If they could string together you know good performances here and win two of these next three or all three, then all of a sudden you, you have a shot to change the the narrative on your season a little bit. So the next six days. Um, you know, if they lose all three, I think you know it's it's done. You're essentially done. But uh, right. it is a chance. It's kind of your last chance here, maybe. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think you know the thing that killed them about losing that Alabama game was it was a, a chance to get one at the beginning. But there are still you know there are still a number of opportunities in a row. Um, you know, Tennessee looks. The, the other thing here is Tennessee looks very gettable. I mean, mm-hmm. Tennessee is kind of a mess on offense too right now. Uh, I mean, they would think they scored 50 points last night in a loss. 22 in the second half. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, so, you know, that that's a home game against a team that, you know, is highly rated. They've, they've piled up some wins, and so they're they're in a good standing. Uh, but they're gettable, and you got them at home. So if you go steal one at Missouri tonight, you've got a chance. You've definitely got a chance to finally put back-to-back, uh, you know, quality wins together. A chance to have a just have a good week. I mean, you know, there's something to that too. Just to spend your whole week feeling good about yourself, uh, and then go into next week trying to get one more. Um, but for Kentucky, it to me, it's just kind of every night. Can you inch toward being a competent offensive team? Can you maintain what you've done defensively? Because they've played good enough defense to win at a high level. Um, you know, and and the th- the thing is, like when Cal says. Uh, you know, we're close. It's really easy to roll your eyes, and, and I, I, you know, look, I'm going to roll my eyes a little bit too. But then you you look at these games and like, where have they been? Really, just run out of the gym, almost almost not at all. Uh, I mean, 
for all the foibles that have blown these close games, they've been in so many close games. They have been right at the doorstep in the last four minutes and a lot of times in the last 30 seconds um, of so many games that if you just knew how to score three or four more baskets a game, um, you're looking at so much of a di- so much different season. So, so can you find those baskets, you know, down the stretch so that you put yourself in a position to go do something crazy? Yeah, I mean, if you could find five five more baskets in every game, they would be just fine right now. <laughs> um, so it, uh, yeah. Georgia Tech's the only one where they really were, you know, not in it in the last, uh, you know, after the last media timeout. Uh, Kyle, thanks as always, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate you. Kyle Tucker from TheAthletic.com. We'll take our last break, come back a couple of the notes before we close out this Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. We are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Still have their heated patio seating in Hamburg and in Palomar, plus a new online system for ordering curbside pickup, too. Stan Wildcat history, 1991, Kentucky beat Georgia 96-84, and Jamal Mashburn set a record for most points by a freshman with 31. It would later be broken by, I think, Terrence Jones was the first one, and then uh, Deron Lamb. They both had 35-point games that season. Uh, Keeneland announced plans for its spring meet yesterday uh, with a stake schedule. Uh, the uh, release said that they're working on plans for ticketing options and that an announcement should come in a few weeks. So hopefully there will be an opportunity for some level of uh, fan attendance for the races at Keeneland. And uh, thinking about spring and racing at Keeneland's a nice thought on a cold snow covered day here in the bluegrass. Isaac Humphreys has been named to Australia's 24-man roster for the Olympic team and a wide receiver from my high school alma mater, Bourbon County, coming to UK as a preferred walk-on. Parker Estes, he plays for former Wildcat David Jones there, 6'4 wide receiver. See you tomorrow to recap the Cats and Mizzou. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leechreport at gmail.com. See you next time, right here on 97.5, 